So we left off midway through chapter one in Galatians on a cliffhanger, kind of, okay? And today it's sort of like, it's been a little bit, so the episode opens with sort of that previously in the letter of Galatians, right, that flashes up on the screen or there's some deep, heavy, bassy-voiced guy that says previously on the last episode of Galatians. And we, we look at some snapshots that have occurred so far since the start of chapter one. And snapshot one is Paul, if you remember, like Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World, flashed his backstage pass to the Galatians and said, this is what gives me authority to write this letter. This is what gives me the ability to communicate what I'm going to communicate to you. Then he served them up this huge blessing sandwich. Do you remember the blessing sandwich? You know, just loaded, handed that over to them in blessing. And then he proceeded to tongue lash them. He gave them a what for, and he tongue-lashed them because they were turning from the gospel to another message that's gospel-like, but as Paul said, is no gospel at all. And so we left him saying to them in this letter, anyone who preaches a different message than the one that Paul has preached, let them be cursed Let them be marked for destruction, divine destruction. Let them be damned. Those heavy, heavy words by the Apostle Paul. And so not a fun place to be left hanging, but we're not going to be left hanging anymore. We're going to pick it up in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. And it says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So what's going on here is the Judaizers or the false teachers or the legalists or the wolves or whatever you want to call them, they've come in and they said, Paul's wishy-washy. He's a flip-flopper. And he's different with the Jewish people than he is with the Gentiles. He's one way with these set of people and he's one way with these other set of people over here. And with the Gentiles, he alters his message. He makes it a little softer, not nearly as hard, not nearly as difficult. And so basically what they're saying is Paul is a man pleaser. Watch out, he's a man pleaser. Sorry, I was thinking of the 80s song. (laughs) He's a man pleaser, and he can't be trusted. The Judaizers said he can't be trusted. So after speaking hard words, For the betterment, remember the betterment and protection of the Galatians. He spoke those hard words because he loves them. He spoke it for their betterment and protection. In verse 10, he says, does it sound now after I've just given you a tongue lashing, does that sound like I'm a man pleaser? Does that sound like I'm about to please man? And I don't know that we get the sense of it because the meaning of the word here, it's a bit sarcastic and snarky. The meaning of the word here of approval It's funny. It's a meaning of seeking the favor of or making a friend of. So I just spoke hard to you. I just said hard words. So I'm trying to make you you a friend? Trying to get you to like me? What I just spoke isn't going to win me friends and influence people. Not at all. And so the grace and peace that Paul's been reminding the Galatians of, this grace and peace that exists is the grace and peace that he's a servant of. And that grace and peace is in the person of Jesus, and he is a servant of Jesus, which means Paul knows something 
profound. And it's, what, it's our big idea for today. Paul's, what Paul knows is something profound, and it's this. It's that our acceptance with God is what frees us from people-pleasing. Our acceptance with God is what frees us from people-pleasing. Now, we're going to dig into that idea more, but let's finish a couple of the verses we're going to look at today, and then we're going to spend a bunch of time digging into that main idea. So what's interesting is that those who are calling Paul a man-pleaser, they're actually the ones that are man-pleasers. Man being humankind, by the way, that includes women as well. <laughs> so, these people were man-pleasers. They were the ones who were adjusting both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And if you don't know what a Gentile is, it's basically not a Jew. So everybody that wasn't Jewish by bloodline is actually Gentile. And so in that day, anyone who, didn't, who became a full-fledged Christian was persecuted. They had a hard time buying food. They had a hard time getting the things that they needed. People would snub them. They wouldn't do business with them. And so it was hard to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. That was a difficult place to be. And the Judaizers were going back and they were including law with grace to please both sides and not be persecuted. Can I make you happy over here? And can I make you happy over here and make my life a whole lot easier? And see, these guys, these gals, whoever they were, these Judaizers, these wolves, they were desperate for convicts to, or convicts, (laughs) converts, not convicts, That would be a whole different message. They were desperate for converts to validate their message. They were desperate for converts to validate their message. So they wanted the Galatians to be pleased with them and to follow them and to reject Paul and his teaching. Sounds a bit like high school, doesn't it? (laughs) So following Paul's comments that he's not out to please people, but that his focus is God. God is his focus. He shares the message he preached to the Galatians came to him straight from Jesus. Straight from the person of Jesus, which you may be asking, how's that possible? Well, we're gonna get into that next week. So there's your cliffhanger for next week. But just like as he started this book, he said, my apostleship, my authority, all those things came from the person of Jesus. Now he's gonna say, so did my message. So did my message. This came from my my authority and my my place came from Jesus, but so did what I shared with you came directly from Jesus. And this will begin a section of verses where Paul will share his own personal story, how he received the gospel message, how the gospel message changed him. This will be where Paul exists in the next number of verses. And it's great because he chooses to show the way by example rather than pointing out where the Galatians are failing. Saying, you're messing up here, fix this, fix that. He's gonna say, no, let me show you first how I've been changed and how my life is walked out in change and transformation. And in sharing his transformation, he's identifying that he's walked the journey too. He's walked it too. And instead of pointing away, like go that way, 
He's showing the way. Follow me. Follow the path that I've walked. Go through what I've gone through. And he's doing it and he's showing and he's leading by example. And he's, he's, there's a great summary of this in, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 when he says something similar to the fact of follow me as I follow Jesus. This is how I begin to follow Jesus. Follow me in this same way. Don't, it's not about following me. It's about following Jesus. And if I'm doing anything, I'm providing you an example of how to follow Jesus. And we would be wise to implement his approach in our desire to point others to Jesus. A story of a changed life and an invitation to the same is far more effective than a corrective debate. A story of a changed life, an invitation to a similar change is far more meaningful and impactful than a corrective debate. I think it was St. Francis of Assisi that said something to the effect of preach Jesus always and sometimes use words. You can use a bunch of words, but if your life doesn't line up, if you're not showing the way, it's not going to have a lot of impact. We know it well in parenting, right? Do what I say, not what I do. I saw a funny video the other day of a, a guy in the car ordering a coffee. He said, I'll have a coffee, something or other. And um, the, girl, the little girl's voice from the back, Dad, can I get a cookie? He's, or, uh, he said, no, we have cookies at home. She's like, well, we have coffees at home. And he's like, well, uh, what kind of cookie do you want? <laughs> right? So let's read the rest of these verses. Again, we're, we're, we're clipping along at a pretty consistent pace. It's just not very fast. Three verses today, so 10 now, 11 and 12. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul's message is of divine origin, just like his apostleship. His authority, his ministry, those were all divine origins, so is his message. The word revelation is an interesting word. It's one we throw around in Christian circles. We're like, oh yes, I had a revelation. Everybody's like, oh, that sounds good, but we don't know what it means. Revelation basically means the divine God pulls the curtain back and shows something to man that they wouldn't know unless he did that. And the person of Jesus and his showing up on planet Earth is a pulling back of that curtain and saying this is something humanity needs to know. And Paul needs to know because he had a revelation. The divine showed him something that he didn't know otherwise. And so it's not a gospel that's given to Paul by a person or by a school or by a group of people. It's a gospel which came to him um, th from Jesus. And so this is a gospel that if it didn't come from, from humans only, it would be difficult for people who only think in human terms to understand that. Paul received this from a school, okay, we can get that. We don't really have to consult God on that. But if this is something that came from God, now we've got to wrestle this out with God. What do we do with that? It's confusing. It's hard. And so his message was given by Jesus himself, which he will talk more about in the following verses, which we're not going to look at today. But being that his message was from Jesus means it's not defective, it's not lesser, and it, it, is, it, is, not, it, it is complete. If it came from Jesus, it's not defective, it's not lesser, it's the complete message. 
Because this is pushback against those Judaizers, those legalists. They were saying that the full message that Paul was sharing was really an abridged message. Do you ever look for a book, like an audio book or whatever? And I'm always like looking, I'm like, is this the abridged or the unabridged? Because I, I don't want the cut short version. I want the full version. And that's what these guys were saying was Paul's gospel is, is you didn't get all of it. And so we're going to add in the things you missed, like law and circumcision and all that kind of stuff. And so Paul is like, oh, really? He's playing a, a card game, and he's been holding this trump card. And he's like, oh, really? My message is a bridge? Well, I'm going to play the trump card. I got my message from Jesus. Done. I win. Give me all the prize, whatever it is. He trumps them out. That's it. We're done. I win. And so that's what Paul's going to do as he continues on in here. But let's circle back now to this one big idea that our acceptance with God is what frees us from people-pleasing. And this is a big topic. And so right here, I just, with eyes open, Father, I pray. I pray for those online. I pray for those in the lobby, in the coffee shop, those in the room. Spirit work. Because what we're about to look at can transform and change our life. And that's what the gospel is supposed to do. It's not something we get like fire insurance and tuck away from when we go to heaven someday. It's supposed to have practical impact on where we live here and now. And that's, this book, Galatians, is going to get in our business. I've warned you that. And so this idea of acceptance for, with God is what frees us from people pleasing. And, and so Paul in these verses has made it very clear who he is and what he does and his message have nothing to do with people. It has nothing to do with people. And that he's not on an agenda for people's approval and he's not on an agenda to please them. He's got a higher agenda and it's an agenda driven by love and care and protection that we've seen in previous verses. Which I think when we see that and we live in the world that we live in today, a world that is drowning in the need for others' approval, which dictates that ever-increasing amounts of people-pleasing is required. And this increased people-pleasing is in increased and required because we're trying to get the like, we're trying to get the view, we're trying to get the following, all so that we can feel good about ourselves and feel like we're okay. And so we strive running around. Am I okay with you? Okay, good. Am I okay with you? Okay, good. Am I okay with you? Okay, good. Am I okay with you? And we run around and that's how we live, desperately thinking, looking for the thumbs up. You're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And Paul wouldn't subscribe to that line of thinking at all. Not one bit. So what did he know that we've missed? What did the Apostle Paul know that we've missed? If we're running around looking to everybody to give us a thumbs up, what did the Apostle Paul know that we missed? And it may be hard for us to catch it because we're removed from the events and the culture of that day. And what's transpiring here could seem like distance enough and far enough away from us that it has no benefit. I mean, we don't live in Galatia. We aren't wrestling with the Jewish law system every day. We don't have false Jewish teachers coming around saying, you need to live up to the law. You need to get circumcised. You need to, you need to, you need to. We don't have that. But what if we 
modernize this issue? Or what if we try to help understand how this issue actually impacted them? Because if we can, then we'll help t- it'll help us understand how it impacts us. And so I think people-pleasing is something we can all easily relate to today. It's not a completely foreign topic to us, but what is people-pleasing? What is it? How does it, how does it manifest itself? Well, we see people-pleasing express itself in many ways today. And please, no holy elbows of God to your spouses or friends. Don't sharpen it up with the, you know, did you hear that one? So it's for self-reflection. People-pleasing expresses itself in many ways, such as an inability to say no to requests. or avoiding disagreements or voicing honest opinions. I mean, truthfully, sometimes there's right time and right place. We don't go around giving everybody our honest opinion on everything. But people-pleasing can manifest itself in often taking on extra work or over-committing to plans um, when we don't have the time for what we're currently doing. You're here, I I don't think we have this issue because I think there's a healthy culture in some respects, but in church sometimes you'll see there's somebody here who's here every day of the week and they get asked to do something else and they say yes and you're like, why? You're already there seven days a week, 24 hours a day, like you don't have any more time. Why did you take that on as well? I think it's part of the reason we work on-ramp and off-ramp with our volunteers. We want to make sure that that doesn't happen, that there's a healthy culture that people don't burn out. People-pleasing manifests itself in an avoidance of conflict. We acquiesce and go along with things we don't like. Okay, I don't like it, but I'll go along with it. People-pleasing is we change who we are to fit in with the person or people we're around. That's what we do. And so why do we do this, though? See, we can, we can point out the issues, we can see these things, but then do you dig a little di- bit deeper and go, why do I do this? Why do I people please? Well, some reasons, again, I'm not giving you the exhaustive lists here, but some of the reasons for people pleasing is we feel insecure and are afraid of being rejected and abandoned. We feel an insecurity and a, and a fear of if, if they really knew who I was, they would reject me and they would leave me. We people please because we don't want to lose being cared for or being loved. We people please because there may be a sense of pressure to be friendly or nice or cheerful at all times. And sometimes we in church are to blame for that. (laughs) You know, my dog died, my car won't start, it's not a great morning. How you doing today, brother? How you doing today, sister? Oh, I'm great. Everything's fine. It's just a beautiful day. Praise the Lord, right? I heard an old preacher one time say, if you ever want to cure people of dishonest questions like that, haul off and tell them how you really feel. (laughs) And you'll find out if they really want to know how you're doing. People-pleasing, we may have anxiety about creating unease or making a stand. 
It may be that if we don't people please, we'll fail and then we'll be punished. That may be our, our growing up experience. Whatever the reason, people pleasing though is an attempt to find acceptance. I'm going to invent a word. It's a, an attempt to find okayness. It's an attempt to find rightness. So people-pleasing is an attempt to find acceptance, okayness, rightness. And the sad thing is that we even try to people-please God. We try to people-please God. And the Galatians, they were lured in to people-pleasing by the Judaizers. One, to please the Judaizers, and two... To please God. If you don't do this, God's not going to be happy with you. If you don't keep these things running, God's not going to be happy with you. And so that carrot was dangled. Do these things and get the carrot and God will love you. But they kept moving the line. And the Galatians kept running after So how do we find acceptance by people-pleasing? Well, it's through our performance, right? It's through what we do. I will be accepted when I perform well. If I perform well, I will be accepted. And particularly in the American culture. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, work well, perform well, show well, and you will be accepted. And the wolves, the Judaizers, said, perform and you'll please us and God. And they used the Jewish law system to measure the Galatians' performance. But how do we measure performance? Well, in some Christian churches, in some Christian circles, we may use the Jewish law system and we may use that measuring stick to measure if we're good enough because it's documented in Scripture. But when it comes to people-pleasing, there is another system. It is the unspoken, the unwritten rules of people's expectations. It is the unspoken, un, um, the unspoken, the unwritten rules of people's expectations. And it is our attempt to meet people's expectations that put us under a law system. And that law system, we perform in the hopes of finding acceptance. I'll say that again because this is so important. It's the unspoken, the unwritten rules of people's expectations. And it is our attempt to meet those expectations that put us under a law system where we perform with the hopes of being accepted. And so how does this work? Well, it works in that we have an illustration. Somebody come up here, I'm gonna illustrate what it's like in school. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, with each person in our life, we have a mental ruler. And it's a ruler that measures from one to 10. 
And that ruler is used to measure how well we're doing at meeting each person's expectations. So with mom, it might be a three. With dad, it's probably a three. With our peers, it might be a six. With our siblings, it might be a four. With ourselves, it's probably a one. With God, maybe a two, because he's loving and kind. But with mom and dad and peers and siblings, it's, it's still a measurement for acceptance. And the goal, the goal with this ruler is to reach 10 and to stay at 10 all the time. To be perfectly acceptable. Right? The problem is that, you know, to the degree that we meet somebody's ex- expectations, whether it's three, six, four, one, two, is the degree to which we don't, is the degree to which we fail at a seven, a four, a six, a nine, or an eight. And that's what it is to live life under the law. Living life under the law says, okay, I ran and kept a three this week, but you know what? You also were a failure seven, seven points. I really don't like myself. I'm a one. That means you're a failure at a nine. This is the law system. This is how law living works. This is how expectations with one another work. You may get to 10 on one day, but you can't maintain it. Nobody can. So this is what life is like under the law. And you know what that does? It really messes with our identity. It really messes with who we are because we try to please everyone. We try to score it. Am I a 10 with you? Am I a 10 with you? 10 with you, 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 10 with you. We run around every day, all day. 10 with my boss, 10 with my wife, 10 with my kids, 10 with my mom, 10 with, my, 10 with the, the police officer that pulled me over. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Right? Are you tired yet? We try to score a 10 and constantly do that by keep, we, what it ends up doing and why it messes with our identity is because we are forced to change who we are. Oh, this is who you need me to be to be a 10? Okay, I'll be that. Oh, this is who you need me to be a 10? Okay, I'll be that. This is who you need me to be a 10? Okay, I'll be that. We end up not knowing who we are. Because I'm for all of you and not, not knowing who I am at all. I'm completely, I have a complete identity confusion about who I am. And so we're left not knowing who we really are and we're just trying to be something for everybody else that we're around. And remember, we're doing it because we're trying to find acceptance, okayness, and rightness. I mean, have you ever been frustrated with a person, whether it's been yourself or someone else, that person who's one person on Friday night and a different person on Sunday morning? And you ask, why? This is why. Because these people are so desperate to be accepted and loved and okay and right that they run around and they go, Tell me I'm okay, I'll get drunk, I'll sleep with you, 
tell me I'm okay, I'll come in and, and sing the worship songs and I'll listen to the message. Just accept me and love me and say I'm okay. Please, 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 just say I'm okay. That's what's going on behind the, the stuff with the person. Desperate to be accepted. Desperate. And so in verse 10, Paul said, do you think I'm really people-pleasing? You should know I'm done with mentally, mental measuring sticks. Finished. I'm not running around to everybody telling me, looking for you to tell me I'm okay. Now that doesn't mean he's thumbing his nose at him. He loves these people enough to write a letter to them. Right? But I'm done with mental measuring sticks. I'm done with meeting the unwritten rules of people's expectations. I'm done with it. Now does that mean he's only picking it back up to go, God, now the mental measuring stick goes to you. And now I'm going to try to do this with God. Try to just focus on God and run a, a perfect 10. Nope. He's not doing that. And he's not doing that because that was the system before Jesus came. That was the law-based system before Jesus came, and that's what the Judaizers are trying to put back on the Galatians. And it's the same thing we do when we buy into people's expectations. But doesn't he say in that verse, I'm trying to win the approval of God, not man? I'm not sure that's exactly what he's saying. I'm not sure he's sitting there going, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to measure myself with the God of my 10? My 10? I don't think that's what he's saying. Because you have to go back to verse, one, uh, verse 6 in chapter 1 where he said, God called us to live in the grace of Jesus. He called us to live in the grace of Jesus. If you remember, grace is favor. It's undeserved favor. But it's undeserved and it's a gift because of what Jesus did. And what Jesus did provided for us total acceptance by God. Total acceptance. We don't earn our acceptance. We don't earn our okayness. We don't earn our rightness with God by measuring up. Because what Jesus did, what Jesus accomplished, what he gave us says we are approved. We are totally accepted by Jesus. Totally. We don't have to earn our acceptance, our okayness, or our rightness with God. But what about pleasing God? That's a great question. Because I see approval and acceptance with God and pleasing God as, as two different things. Well, to please is to cause someone to feel happy or to feel satisfied. Well, what would make God happy or satisfied? Well, a lot of times you're told what makes God happy or satisfied, just like the Judaizers were, measure up. Right? Please God by doing these ten things. Please God by, by doing this. 
I don't think so. If he did, then what Jesus did was a complete waste. Because Jesus came to do away with that. I mean, what would it be to make God happy or satisfied? Would it be us trying to earn his approval through self-effort by trying to reach and stay at a 10 all the time by performing really well? Because that's what you're told a lot of times, right? That's what I was told for many years. Or would it be that he would be pleased if you received the acceptance he's given you in the grace of Jesus and that you would live in the grace of Jesus and from the grace of Jesus rather this. I think that God, your Father, our Father, as we've seen in this opening chapter, would be thrilled for you to enjoy the complete acceptance that he's given you. That he would be thrilled for you to not try to earn something he's already given to you freely. You doing this breaks his heart. This breaks his heart. But when you open hand and receive, Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift that Jesus has given. Thank you that in it I have been made totally accepted by you. And that the pleasing thing for me to do is to learn what that acceptance is, to learn how that acceptance is given to me, to learn to grow in that acceptance, to learn to grow in that okayness with you. And let that change who I am. Because the acceptance that God has for you is all you'll ever need. The acceptance that God has for you is all you'll ever need. Which means as you grow in knowing and experiencing that acceptance, the hold of people's acceptance on you will be broken. When you know that you are okay with God, when you know that you have all the acceptance you'll ever need, I mean, he's an infinite God. He's never gonna get tired of giving you acceptance. He's not gonna go, sorry, Mike, I don't have it today. (laughs) Nope, he's got all that I'll ever need. And when he, when you begin to understand that, you stop going over here. You, You stop doing this. Because you, you have been given tenderness, not perfection in, in actions, but okayness, rightness, settledness in your walk with God and who he is in your relationship with him. So the thing that's really interesting in all of this, and then again, I, I think I need to say this. I, this is something that was big for me in my journey, in my process, in my understanding, was this understanding of getting exhausted from doing this all the time with everybody and myself for that matter. I mean, look in the mirror and do that. Then look to God. Exhausting. 
exhausting. And to come into a place where I knew it didn't matter how much of an idiot I was, I was okay with God. Oh, I could breathe. The load was off. And my interactions with him begin to change. When I knew that he was pleased with me and okay and happy with me and pleased and happy and desirous that I would walk in the fullness of who he made me to be, it changed everything. And isn't that what the gospel's supposed to do? Isn't it supposed to change everything? Because sometimes I feel like I don't think it does but I think that it's supposed to, and I think that this is one of the ways it's supposed to change everything for us. And so God's acceptance for us is all that we'll ever need, which means as we grow and know and experience that acceptance, the hold of people's acceptance on us will be broken, which means we will no longer come to people looking for their acceptance. Now again, that doesn't mean we're walking around going pound sand. Because that doesn't work either. That, that's missing it. Because what really should come from us as we understand our acceptance and our okayness with God, do you know what we bring to others? Not pound sand. I accept you. And I bring the acceptance that's been placed into me to now give to you. One of my favorite things I love to say over and over, you can't give what you haven't received for yourself. And if you want to be accepting of others, you have to be accepting of yourself first. This needs to go out the door for you first. So one point of clarification. Does this mean that it's bad to have expectations, Mike? No. Expectations in and of themselves aren't wrong. The issue is when you have expectations and you tie somebody's acceptance to it. When you do this, okay, here's what I want you to do and when you get to here, then I'll accept you. That's a problem. That's abusive. That's hurtful. That's against everything that Jesus came to undo. So when you come with expectations, then you come with, first of all, I accept you. I love you. You know that I accept you. You know that I love you. You know that we're good. You're, you're, you're a 10 in the okayness, the okayness ruler with me. You're good. Now let's talk about what it means to be on time. And let's do it from a place of accepting one another. Let's talk about what it means to walk together, to, to live life. What does it look like? But this isn't going to change whether or not I accept you. I accept you. We're good. But that doesn't mean we aren't going to have conversations and things, but it's all going to be from a basis of we're good. And that's because I know God has accepted you, and it's also because I hope that you know God has accepted me. So we've covered a lot. And this was like, out of a five-page message, three of the pages was getting in your business. <laughs> and I know, I felt it this week as I've prepared. Because this is the stuff we face all the time. When you think about the issues in our world, when you think about the people with gender issues, or whatever, 
It is such a desperate cry for this one issue. Am I okay? Am I accepted? Am I all right? Give me the thumbs up, please. Desperate. If you look around at everybody that you interact with this week, you're going to see, am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? That's all we look for. We're so desperate for it. And so it's a lot. And so some questions. Maybe you want to scribble these down and ponder them later, but one, did you discover some things about yourself just today in this conversation? Did you find this in your life anywhere? A yardstick? (laughs) Possibly rulers that you have with yourself, with others, with God. Did you find those? Did you find some people-pleasing tendencies as I've talked this morning? Are you tired of trying to measure up? Would you like to learn and grow in the acceptance that God has given you in Jesus? And for that to ultimately free you from the hold of others' acceptance on you? Wouldn't it be great to not have that acceptance carrot dangled in front of your face anymore? Oh, just do this one more thing. Just this one more thing. This one more thing. Is this an issue that's hitting you? And if it is, that's okay. It's a good place to be. And I would love to pray for you. So if you bow your heads, and if there's anybody, and this is, again, please bow your heads, close your eyes. I'd like people that, if this is something that's hitting you today, would you raise your hand? Because I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. You don't have to keep it up. Just raise it and let me see it. I'll say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you saw the hands raised. You know the people who were brave to do that. Father, you also know those who are still just wrestling this out. And Father, this is a hefty topic, and it's challenging, and it's, it's difficult. But oh, there can be such freedom. There can be such freedom. And I pray that for those who are brave enough to raise their hand, that they would learn how much acceptance and okayness and rightness they have in you. And that they would also discover and find how that will free them from running around to everyone else, including themselves, to try to feel okay and all right. And Father, yes, this will down the line affect how we act and perform and all that, but just for today, that they could set aside the ruler and the things they've been measuring just to rest in the peace and the fact and the reality that you are totally accepting of them and that it would please you at no great end for them to be who you have made them to be, for them to be okay in you. We lift this up to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.